0: That's all right. They they probably know that you applaud every time I come up to preach. So that's 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 fine. That's fine. We hope you're receiving a gift this morning. As several have mentioned, I have as well. We are this advent season as we prepare for Christmas listening to a voice that is 600 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah has been speaking to us as he spoke to his compatriots and then 600 years later to Jesus. It would be as if somebody born in the time of Shakespeare started to walk the streets and talk to us. How, how would it work? Would they be in the same world even as we're in? Today, we want to talk about peace, Something Isaiah talked about a lot. But one of the things that Isaiah had to contend with were false prophets. They were, they were a lot like uh, fortune tellers. They would always be glad to take your money to tell you what was going to happen. But even if you were a prophet to the king, you would be asked things like, Will we win this war? Is my illness going to get better? Does she really love me? Will will we have peace? And these false prophets, these fortune tellers, would say, absolutely, of course you're going to live, of course you're going to win. You are the best, wisest, most everything king. And while the the king or queen would love to hear that, they didn't know whether they could trust it. And in contrast to that were the real prophets who never seemed to say anything nice about anybody, any time. One of them was Jeremiah, and he said, you know how you can tell a false prophet? This is how you can tell a false prophet. They'll say, peace, peace. But there is no peace. And that's what happens today. We talk about Christmas as a season of peace. But our hearts and our minds feel under assault Peace comes and goes, I might have a little peaceful feeling right now, but by the time I have to fight traffic out on Highway 100, our hearts and minds are often robbed of peace. Peace is depicted in the Bible as this beautiful giant tree reaching to the sky with roots that go deep, and my peace is more like the picture of this tree, which has been battered by the storm and is in place, but not alive, Uh, guilt, uh, worry, threats, confusion, uncertainty, they all threaten not just my peace, but our peace. Take just a minute. What what stops you from being described as a peace-filled, peaceful person? I, I think if we were honest, you'd say, I think that part of it is that I have an inability to reconcile with that person. It's a broken relationship. Whenever I think of them, I get angry. How can I be peaceful? For others of us, maybe a little more honest, we would say, "I, I can't have peace as long as there's such a lack of equity. That doesn't mean equality. It doesn't mean we have to have the same thing, but it means there needs to be justice. There shouldn't be one set of rules for them and another for us. It makes me angry. Some of you, if we were honest, and I promised not to tell, you might say that you lack peace because you have come to believe that you're a little greedy. You don't look greedy, but it bugs you when he buys so many gifts for those kids. Will we have enough? You compare whether we spent more on this one or that one. The greed comes out in always wanting a little more or being a. Afraid of giving. That stops you from being filled with peace. You're filled with worry. In a world filled with discrimination, where we judge one another on our political views, on our, our gender, on our age, on our religion, peace is hard to find. At the root of your loss of peace, if you're peaceful 24 7. Every day, every week, I want whatever drugs you use. <laughs> None of us are. And at the root of that, I think often, is that what cheats us of peace is fear. We fear the other, the one who is different from us. We fear a loss of what we have, whatever small privilege we might have. We, we fear that the future will bring change, and that change is never good for us. We fear being thrown out of the circle of people like us who like us. What will we do that, that will lose us, those friendships? I fear being taken advantage of. And that robs me of peace. And if I were alone with one of you and we trusted each other, I, I might say that at the root of my loss of peace is pride. Pride. It's not working out the way I wanted. I'm not getting my way. If she gets her way, then I'm not getting my way. At the root of a loss of peace is fear and pride. And it will never be better by hearing a cute song on the radio and thinking that'll last all day. The prophet Isaiah is a real prophet, the word from God who wants to tell you this Advent season how peace comes to you. And in chapter 11 of the book of Isaiah, he said, referring to that tree there, that broken, ugly tree, he says, a shoot is gonna spring out of the tree. And in the future, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon it. And then he describes what peace will look like. Without even using the word peace, this is what he says in that far-off day, peace will feel like. He says, it will be as if, well, the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard with the goat, the calf and the lion together and a little baby child will lead them all. The cow Will feed with the bear, and the infant will be able to put its hand into the nest of the viper. There will be no harm or destruction on my holy mountain because the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. In that day, remember last week we said, in that day refers to the prophet looking far into the future. In that day, the root of Jesse. That broken down stump will have a root and that root will stand as a banner to draw all people. All people will come to him and his resting place will be filled with glory. That's what a peace-filled world would look like. And Isaiah talks about that because he's already described what the triggering event will be that will bring peace. He talks about one who is to come in chapter 9. He says, of that person, of his government, of the increase of his government, and of the increase of peace, there will be no end. In other words, wherever his government is, is peace. And wherever his government ain't, finish the sentence. But you and I... We haven't seen that day, that day when peace comes and fills the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, we, uh, we live, even in the shelter of Christmas, we live where we feel like the Grinch has stolen Christmas again. Somehow, the Grinch has stolen peace of Christmas and replaced it with an ever-growing mound of presents and credit card bills, and peace seems foreign to us i was talking with one of my friends before the service and and we almost couldn't help but we got sucked in to talking about our world and what's going on i i am i'm a policy junkie i hate turning on the news now what would it be like in a world where peace ruled to turn on the news what would Fox or CNN or MSNBC or ABC, what would they lead with? What if all of a sudden they said today was International Trash Day and all the millions of volunteers who went out to pick up trash in our world didn't find any? <laughs> what if, what if every Friday talked about the cure of the week? and showed people living to 120 and babies who didn't die? What if the news constantly reported at its centerfold that there would be a parade tomorrow for old people, that we will celebrate them and make them feel special instead of pushing them aside? And, and what, what if the back page of the newspaper said once again... Once again, no child was afraid of being picked on at school, but they ran to their classroom with joy. What kind of a world would, would that be? That, that would be as if that dead stump had a little branch grow out of it, and all of a sudden there exploded a Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree brought light to the world. That's what Isaiah is talking about. But what's important to realize that Christmas is a story of peace, but that peace comes second. Peace comes second. The reason we know that is because right in the heart of the Christmas story, in Luke chapter 2, the angels come to the shepherds, right? And what do the angels say? They sing, glory to God in heaven on high and on earth, peace to those on who his favor rests. So first and foremost, Christmas, when this child is born, is to bring glory to God. And then second, important, but second, after glory is given to God, then peace spreads everywhere that this child is received. Peace spreads everywhere the child is glorified, and peace spreads only where the child is glorified and honored. These are the great purposes of Christmas. That people would see God and give God glory and praise. And as that glory went to God, then peace would come down to a broken earth. But when I think about glorifying God, part of me goes back to being a, a stupid little Irish Roman Catholic boy who went to Mass four days a week, hated every second of it. Because I got to go to Mass. So when I think Christmas is the time where we give glory to God, I think, oh no, got to go to church again. I don't think that's what it's about. I think what happened out on that hillside was not somebody saying, let's go to synagogue. It was somebody saying, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear that? Giving glory to God started with hearing the music hearing the music of heaven and saying, I got to hear more of that. There was another prophet called Zephaniah, and he talked about worship in a completely different way. Zephaniah says, God will dance over you. God will dance over you with songs of joy. That's what giving glory to God is like, having God see you and instead of judging you, love you and calling you by name and delighting in you and saying, come dance with me. I want to teach you this new song. To glorify God is to join in the dance. To come into the presence of God and find peace at last and sense his joy and his love. It's the party of heaven and you are invited. So that's why the angels sing At Christmas. Because Christmas is one of those seasons where even though the sounds of the earth get louder and louder, it's one of those seasons where the music of heaven swells a little and reaches down toward earth. And it stills our pride and our fear for just a second. And for anybody who cocks their ears and listens, they start to say, I sense God is close. John Piper is one of our local theologians and, and, and John described Christmas this way. He says, There's no better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world or when he came to reclaim the world in Jesus Christ. His glory, our peace. His greatness, our joy. His beauty, when we behold his beauty Our pleasure come to life. God's purpose is to give you peace. You do not get peace by seeking peace. You get peace by seeking the God of glory. Five times in the New Testament, it describes God as the God of peace. Jesus says, my peace I give you. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus himself is our peace. That means that the peace of Christmas, the peace of God, the peace of Christ, can never be separated from Christ himself. If you want peace to rule in your hearts and not be here and gone, if you want peace to rule in your heart, then Christ has to rule in your life. God's purpose cannot be to give you peace separate from himself. It's like giving you a drink but holding back the water. God's purpose is to give you peace by letting his glory shine upon you. The key to peace for me this Christmas is keeping together what the angels keep together. They call out on the hills, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth To those who believe and trust. It says, to those upon whose favor rests. Those on whom his favor rests. That means peace to those who believe and trust. Our hearts, your minds, our lives are under assault every day. Guilt and worry and threat and confusion, uncertainty, they all threaten the peace. They'll steal away that peace. You feel peace-filled peace filled here and now, when you hear this music. But the Apostle Paul says, that goes away. He he says, don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety actually is the opposite of peace, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but let God know all your fears in prayer. Let God know all your fears in prayer, and the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding, will guard your heart. The peace of God will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. God wants to guard your heart this Advent. He wants to give you peace that will last. Because only when your heart is guarded with peace can that peace possibly lead to peace with other people. Fearful, prideful, angry people do not spread peace. We spread what comes from the inside. And if our hearts have been guarded and our minds have been filled with peace, only then is it possible that, like the Apostle Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's going to require humility. Christians are great for saying, we'll have peace if you agree with me. That's not the contract. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. When you and I give glory to God and peace descends to earth, we start to hear the voices of the angels again. I'm gonna ask Billy and Simple Gifts to come up and, and let us practice hearing that music again. Hearing the music of heaven and And on those days when you have no peace and you can't sing along, just hum the tune. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did not come so that I would have more presence under the tree. You didn't even come so that I would feel good when I see my children's face. You came so that I would see that there is a God, that when God draws close When I turn to God, all of my fears and all of my pride and all of my sins are washed away by your peace.